All right, so um, we're continuing on, and uh, we're going to look at uh, verse 8, <laughs> First John of 2, 8, where it says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Father, we come now to you, Lord, and we are looking to you to help us to appreciate this new light that now dwells within us and this new light that we have because of your word and this new light because of Jesus Christ coming into the world. Now, Father, as we begin to look at this uh, topic about the new commandment, uh, Father, I pray that it not only challenges us, uh, not only causes us to examine ourselves, but at the same time, Father, I pray that it would encourage us and it would assure us in regards to our fellowship with you. Because, Father, we want to have fellowship with you. And if, uh, if uh, observing this new commandment is going to bring us closer to you in that fellowship, uh, then I pray bring it on. Bring it on. So, Lord, we look to you now, Father. Please uh, open up our eyes so that we might want, uh, see wondrous things out of your word. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, John is talking about a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I write unto you. So the very first blank on your study guide is that... Um, Let me make sure, because I know in the past, I've kind of messed things up. Yes. Uh, So the, the blank is this. The commandment to love one another is not new in time, but because Jesus Christ has come, who is the light of the world, which is the personification, is your blank of love. This commandment is new in character, and in quality and in spirit. Okay, so your three words is personification, character, and quality. And in the spirit. He says here, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that darkness that Satan had blinded your minds with, that darkness that your flesh has uh, blinded you by, that has been done away with. If you have Jesus Christ dwelling within your heart, you have the light of God dwelling in your heart. All right? Uh, the darkness that can't, cannot comprehend the light, according to John chapter 1, is now gone from your heart. Is now gone from your heart. And because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because we have the Word of God and the Spirit to teach us the Word of God, then that darkness no longer uh, has power over you. No longer has power over you. And now we are able to comprehend the mind and the heart of God. Because we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. Now, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. I really don't know what will. Uh, We have the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Jesus told us that not only is he our comforter, but he's also our teacher to show us all these things. So that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful truth. The second thing on your study guide, it is new in emphasis is the word emphasis, E-M-P-H-A-S-I-S, emphasis. 
Uh, this old commandment written the law is now made new by the indwelling spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which thing is true in him and in you. So what is what was true of Jesus Christ when he walked the earth is also true of you. Is also true of you. Uh, that is a very significant statement. God is love is what John tells us in this epistle. And the truth that God is love is to be the same truth about you and I. It's to be the same truth about you and I because we have the God of love dwelling within. We have the God of love dwelling in him. So what is true in him? Love is to be true in us. Now this emphasis is evident in three vital ways. And that's what we're going to look at. Number one, uh, it is not simply one of many commandments. It is the highest commandment. It is the highest commandment. Um, this goes back to what we looked at in our previous lesson. When Jesus was asked by the Jews, which of all the commandments is the greatest commandment? Remember that? In Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34... And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And then he says in verse 31, And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So that is the highest commandment. It is the highest commandment. In this uh, passage, the Lord Jesus Christ has declared to us what is the highest or greatest commandment. Love God. Love others. Right? Love God, love others. So on your study guide, just as in the Old Testament, this law of love being sanctioned by the Lord's name, and we looked at that the last time we studied this, here also in the New Testament, this law of love is sanctioned by the very Son of God. Just as in the Old Testament, it was sanctioned in the name of the Lord, so also in the new. It's sanctioned by the very Son of God. And this authority to do so was given to the Son by the Father. Alright? John 5, uh, John 5, 22-23 For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. So what was sanctioned in the Old Testament is now sanctioned in the New Testament. And that authority is based upon the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the reason why I emphasize that, if you guys are paying attention to what's going on in Christianity today, this position of the Lord Jesus Christ is being minimalized. 
It's being minimalized. Um, not to put too much on this, but the Super Bowl had a particular commercial uh, about white, uh, washing people's feet. And it says that Jesus gets us. Well, if you pay attention to what that movement is all about, what they're simply doing is they're relegating Jesus down to our level rather than exalting him, rather than exalting him. That is a trend that is going on in Christianity today, a trend that is so subtle that many people are not picking up on it because it appeals to their human nature, their flesh. So the Lord has declared these two commandments, loving God and loving others, as the greatest of all the other commandments. So on your study guide, what is the importance of this? Well, it's this. It's, it's, it's more than about observing a precept of the law. Precept is the word. It is the very principle that we as sons of God are to live by in life. It is the principle. Now, I drew this up here. I drew this cross with a heart in the center of it. Well, that's because love is the heart of Christianity. For God so loved the world. Right? Love is is the heartbeat of Christianity. Not what these other folks have made it out to be. Not what these other folks have made it out to be. It is this principle of love of the new commandment that we are to employ and exercise in all of our relationships. In all of our relationships. Now why is that? Well, I just mentioned it, and this is your second, this is number two. It is the heart of the new life. It is the heart of the new life. The second way this new commandment is emphasized in our fellowship with God is that it is a matter of the heart. It is a matter of the heart. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And Matthew 22.37, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Matthew, uh, Mark 12.29, And Jesus answered him, Thou, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And then one more, Luke 10.27, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. What was the one thing he listed first in every one of these verses? A heart. That's the very first thing that he lists. Where the heart is, so goes the rest. Where the heart is, so goes the rest. So on your study guide... Let me make sure. Yep. The soul addresses one's life. Life is the blank. That breath of life given to Adam so long ago. 
The strength addresses one's ability and capabilities. The mind, our intellect. But it is the heart that is the center of it all. That encompasses and energizes all the others that makes the difference. Now we know this is true. I needed a little bit bigger <laughs> If your heart's not in it, right? Then chances are you're not going to be about it. If your heart's not in it, you're not going to be about it. It is an issue of the heart. On your study guide, by their uniform, one recognizes a soldier. An athlete's team is singled out on the field by their jerseys, right? So this principle of love is what distinguishes a believer as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 13, Owe no man anything but to love one another. And then he concludes the chapter with this following verse, Romans 13, 14. He says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So I guess you could say that the garment of the born-again believer is Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ. And when we are governed by the principle of love, then it is God's will that we desire to accomplish rather than the will of our flesh. That's how we not make provision for the flesh, because we love God. And the love of God is active in our life because we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What is true of Him should be true of us. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. You know, I've read history books where, back in the early days of Christianity, uh, the critics of Christianity and those who persecuted Christianity, the one thing that they, they remarked upon in regards to Christians back in the day was that they loved one another. That was the, that was the earmark of Christians back in the day. Because they displayed love one for another. They were willing to sacrifice themselves for their brethren in the church. These words that Jesus spoke, he spoke to them while they were gathered in the upper room, right? I mean, not long after this, what was going to happen? He was going to be betrayed and arrested and then eventually crucified. Eventually crucified. Judas had already departed when Jesus spoke to these men. Judas had already departed. He was already not among them. And Jesus speaks to his disciples concerning a new commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. I don't know about you guys, but that's convicting to me. 
Because I don't always love as he loved me. I don't know about you, maybe you don't have any issues with that. But that does, it, it convicts me. What is a command? Well, it's, it's an authoritative order or instruction, isn't it? It's a directive that uh, is given by a superior that the inferior is to follow. And Jesus Christ is my superior. He is my superior. You know, under the Mosaic system, obedience was key. In Exodus 19.5, it says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then shall, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. If ye will obey my voice. Again, in Deuteronomy 11.27, he says, A blessing... If ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse, if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. So obedience was key in that Old Testament mosaic system. And it was this obedience that I believe led to the Judaism of Jesus' day because what they had done was that they had focused more upon the letter that killeth and they lost the heart. They lost the heart of the law. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And you see that happen a lot. You see Christians who will be obedient, but they have no heart. They have no charity. They have no love. But they're obedient. And that might explain why the Jews were debating which of the commandments was the greatest. Right? They were focusing on thou shalt not and thou shalt do this and don't do that. And what did Jesus, what did Jesus point them to? He pointed them to the heart of the law. Love God, love others. Love God and love others. Sometimes we get fixated on the thou shalt nots and thou shalts that we lose the heart. Of our faith. We lose the heart of our faith. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You know what we need more so today than anything is grace and truth in the church. Grace and truth in the church. I mean, what Jesus said to his disciples... It wasn't so much a commandment to be obeyed, but a principle to govern one's life by. You know, anybody can obey a commandment. But if your heart's not in it, the new commandment is now a principle, a way of life that we are to be identified by. You know, it's not a rule. 
It's who we are because of, of, of Christ in us. So on your study guide, love is the principle that impacts the way of thinking, provides the motive behind who we are and what we do and why we do it, and Jesus Christ is our ensample, is our ensample. So impacts and motive. 1 John 2.8 says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is now in us, is he not? His, His life is now our life. And so what thing is true of him is to be true in us. And we'll, we'll look at this in more detail as we go through our, go through this, uh, epistle. But the issue is, uh, who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Is Jesus sitting on the throne of your heart or are you sitting on the throne of your heart? Is it our flesh or is it Jesus Christ? And I prefer the word ensample to the word example. You know, so often you hear uh, preachers say that Jesus is our example, and, and yes, he is. He is. I mean, uh, he is our example. And I list some things here. Uh, under A, example in service to one another. He's an example in service to one another. John thirteen twelve. So after the, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? He says, You call me Master and Lord, and ye say, say well, for so I am. If then your, if I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. So he's an example in service to us. Uh, An example of humility and service. Under the letter B, he's an example in suffering affliction. Suffering affliction. 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now study that out. That's a lot. When you're suffering affliction or suffering persecution or maybe somebody's not treating you right. On your study guide, an example is to illustrate. Is your blank. To show how. 
to de- demonstrate to others through performing or doing about how something is done. I read a story one time about a famous music teacher who was instructing a talented and ambitious young musician who wanted to become famous, who wanted to make a name for himself. And um, this young musician was very precise in his technique. I believe it was a violin. He's very precise in his technique that he applied to his instrument. But after some time, the music instructor, the master, told his student that he could no longer be his instructor. And so the young, talented musician asked the, the, the music instructor why. And the master said, I cannot teach you anything because your heart is not in the music. Your heart is not in the music. You know, we as believers, members of a church, we can learn by example from a lot of folks. I mean, we have discipleship one, we've got discipleship two. We have all of this available to us. But the danger, the risk that we face in a well taught Bible-believing church is that we may not capture the heart. We'll have all this knowledge, we'll have all this ability, we'll have all this talent, but we may not capture the heart. We may not capture the heart. Jeff, can I say something about that? Yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, secular years came up playing music, you could always tell the person who loved to play. Yeah. Especially now that I'm in the praise band and the praise and worship side of you, you can see those yeah. people that love yeah. God's music. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, you can you can learn by example, but it's up to the individual to catch the heart. It really is. So on your study guide... I think it's on the bottom of page two. And sample is to, here's the big fancy word, emulate. E-M-U-L-A-T-E. Emulate. Not imitate. Not imitate. Emulate is to conform in heart and mind and spirit and to become like the person that one esteems. Okay? Philippians... Chapter 3 and verse 8, Paul writes, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You see, there are so many people who are involved in Christianity, but they leave Christ out of it. This is not to mimic, but to be similar to, to be like-minded. To be like-minded. 
Paul writes in Philippians 2.19, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly on to you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ, but you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father he hath served with me in the gospel. Why did Paul send Timothy? Because Timothy's heartbeat was in line with Paul's heartbeat. And Paul's heartbeat was in line with Christ's heartbeat. Timothy got it. Timothy had the heart. That's why Paul had confidence in Timothy. That's why Paul sent Timothy. Philippians 2, 19-22. This is the same truth that John had written about in 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we have his heart... We have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses us from all sin. So on your study guide, let me make sure. Yep. The point is, Jesus Christ as our example addresses the very heart and nature of God. The very character of Jesus Christ. So that's a part of our being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's not so that we look like him. It's so that we think like him and minister like him and love like him. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. What's the best way we can display Christ to others? By loving them. That's how that tells us apart. Yeah, by loving them. Not by, you know, spouting off how good you are or spouting off how, you know, how bad they are. No, it's by loving them. It's by loving them. So on your study guide... And sample never applies to an, here's a big, big term, inanimate product. Inanimate product. It's not dead. It's not like this chair. But it does to the principle that defines excellence. Excellence. Okay, so other than showing you how to build a chair, (laughs) it shows you how to become a chair, (laughs) I guess. That's really a poor analogy, right? Not just showing you how to become a musician, right? It gives you the heart of that musician. Psalms 8, 9 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. That's how we glorify God. That's how we exalt God. As I mentioned, to me, the key verse of the epistle of John is 1 John 2, 6. He that saith he abideth him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. To me, that's, that's the key verse of this entire epistle. Is to walk as he walked. That's all about our fellowship. 
If you want to know fellowship with God, then you fellowship like Jesus Christ fellowship. So on your study guide, yep, Jesus Christ is your blank, is our ensample. It is his heart and mind that God is working his perfect work of renewal and conformity in us. Philippians chapter 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I know that, I know that many of you folks do this very thing. I have heard testimony, I have seen it, I've heard stories from other people about many of you that you have done this very thing for others in this church, that you have sacrificed your time to go minister to others. I would encourage you to keep doing that. Keep doing that, because in that way, you're showing the love of Christ to those folks. Keep doing that. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, who seemed to be focused on everything that was contrary to the standard, he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 13.1. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as nothing, a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could, a faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So on your study guide, it doesn't matter if you can speak in tongues or have a beautiful singing voice, or be a talented musician, all of it is meaningless if there is no charity. If there is no charity. That's what Paul says. Again, it doesn't matter if you're a gifted preacher, or teacher, or have a good understanding of Bible doctrine and quote scripture better than your neighbor. If there is no charity, then this also means nothing. I've often said this. I, I know a lot of folks who are very knowledgeable of the scripture and they really can present a good Bible lesson or preach a good message. But some of these individuals are the meanest people I've ever met in my life. There was one individual, I don't, I'm not going to mention names or tell tales, but just as an example, there was one individual, very gifted, well-known preacher, and uh, we went out to dinner with a group of us, okay? I'm not saying I'm anything special, I just happen to be a part of this group. Well, a waitress came up and got his order wrong. So instead of saying, that's all right, hon, don't, he, he berated that poor waitress, she turned red in the face and began to cry. I mean, he literally berated this poor girl because he got his order wrong. No, that's not the way to be. 
That's not the way to be. I don't care how much of a big shot you are. That's just not the way to behave. Also, if one has great faith and a great prayer life and give to the poor and burns oneself out in ministry and service and is even persecuted if there is no love, Paul says that even this is profitless if there is no charity. That is the importance of love in the Christian life. And I have to confess that there are times I fail miserably in this point. And I don't think I'm alone in that. People dedicate themselves to all sorts of things, all types of movements involve themselves in all sorts of good works. But people can do all of these things and have no love for the people they serve. They have no love. They're in it for some other reason. They're doing it for some other motive. They have no love. I mean, how often have you heard people promote a a charitable work or a charity of some sort? You hear it on TV all the time. And what is the motive? Then you'll feel good about yourself, right? That's generally the motive of the world in, in charity. Not only will you help others, but you'll help yourself. You'll feel good about yourself. But is that really the true motive behind being charitable? So that I feel good about myself? I wanted that blanket. <laughs> yeah, I want that blanket or that special tote bag or whatever they're offering. No, Paul says if that's your, if that's your uh, thinking in it, then it profits you nothing. Um, you know what this infers to me uh, concerning the Apostle Paul? For him to be able to write this stuff, he had to learn it too. He had to learn it too. He had to go through that, reno- that renewing process of the mind, that conviction of the Holy Spirit in his own life. He had to learn it too. He had to grow up as well. And even though he did receive all of the all of this revelation from God, right? He had to learn it too. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. Our talents and treasures and surfeits, you know, it may profit others. It may serve others to great advantage. But if there is no charity, if there's no love, um, for you personally, it will not profit. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will not profit you because you're not going through the experience of being conformed and in the image of Jesus Christ. You're not letting that service and that ministry and all that you do, for, you're not letting that have its perfect work in your life because you're doing it with the wrong motive. And I'm speaking because, you know, that's also true of me. That's that's why I'm saying this. That's why I'm saying this. And also, at the judgment seat of Christ, right? 
at the judgment seat of Christ and, and all of these things that we do, if we do them out of the wrong motive, is that going to be gold and silver and precious stones that we have piled up there or is it going to be wood, hay and stubble? See what I'm saying? So it, it is. It is the heart of the matter. It is the heart of the matter. And this is partly what John is saying here in 1 John 3.18. He says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That goes all the way back to 1 John chapter 1, verses 6-10, through 10, when I talked about sincerity of heart. God is looking for truth in the inward parts. Um, we can play games and fool one another, but you're not going to fool God. So why play that game? Why play that game? And when you when you discover this in yourself, First John one nine, what does that tell me? I can confess it to Him, right? He's faithful and, just. and He's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. Work with me. Meet me where I'm at. So just as God looks for those who worship Him in spirit and truth, He also desires that His own love in deed and truth. So on your study guide. Yep, bottom of page 3. This loving in deed and truth is what charity looks like. Right action with right motive governed according to the right way. Charity is love and action. That's what I heard a preacher one time say. Charity is love and action. I think that's a pretty good definition. John fifteen twelve says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. That's pretty, that's pretty high marks to be a friend of Jesus. That's a pretty high mark for being a friend of Jesus. Just as in worshiping God in spirit and truth, so also in love. It is the heart of the matter that matters with the Lord and we should be certain that the heart is aligned with his truth, even in love one for another. Just as we worship in spirit and truth, we should also love in truth. Okay, five till. I don't know if I ought to continue on. Uh, Let's see here. I don't want to continue on. It is. So let me let me just stop with there. Okay. There's a new emphasis upon love. Not only is it the highest commandment sanctioned by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, but it's also the very the very principle by which we are to live. And someone would say, Well that's that's a pretty high standard to meet. And I would say, yes, it is. It is an extremely high standard to meet. But we have the advantage 
over the majority of the population on that planet. And you know what that advantage is that we have? Anybody want to stab a guess at it? Well, yeah, we have eternal life. But why do we have eternal life? Because of Christ's sin or Christ's sacrifice. Okay, because of Christ. Let me, all right, let me give you a hint. Who dwells in us? Not our salvation. No, I mean Jesus Christ dwells in us, but it's our salvation. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit of God. Right, Galatians chapter 5, when it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, what's the very first fruit mentioned? Love. Love, and everything follows. So yes, it is an extremely high standard. But God never asks of us, right, that we cannot perform for Him. And the reason why we can love at such a high standard is because we have the unction from the Holy One, the anointing, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. So if we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us, what excuse do we have not to love as He loved? What excuse do we have? We have no excuse. So when we do not love as he loved, who's in charge? Who's in charge? The flesh. Right. Right. And so this brings about, and this is your next blank, I'll give you this blank. Number three, because of this, it is new in experience. And that's what we'll talk about when we meet next week. Okay, let's close in prayer. Did everybody get their blanks filled? I tried to be very slow. She said love is the very principle of love. The point is, Jesus Christ is our example. Right above three. Aligned. Okay. Okay. Now right, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. We've got about 15, 20 minutes. So mingle among yourselves or whatever. <laughs> Father in heaven, we come to you.